When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was good. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deckett. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Shout out to Hamilton the Hog, the fastest pig around. Uh, I think <laughs> Breaking I just texted cops you guys ankles. the headline. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Pigs against pigs, huh? Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> Come on, man. man. It Come was on. right there. It was right. It would have been uh, remiss of us not to have that wordplay. Hashtag no pun left behind. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about some very strange things in this week's strange news segment. The U.S. Navy is up to something, <laughs> and uh, it might end up being an episode of this show. Oh, I, I pictured like they were up to making an episode of our show in secret that they will then use to compete with us. Yeah, their budget gets weird this time <laughs> of year. And uh, let's see, Delaware. Uh, Delaware has an exciting new opportunity for people who want to uh, vote more than once or for people who are worried that corporations don't get enough of a say in government. and. Of course, uh, in the time since we last spoke, a very, very strange, messy, and complicated situation happened in Russia. Maybe we start there. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, I brought this one to the table today, but it really is just kind of a WTF happened in Russia thing as far as I'm concerned. And Ben, you're kind of our resident uh, 
international affairs, uh, I guess, wonk um, in the crew anyway. So I thought this would be a cool opportunity just to talk a little bit about, first of all, what the hell is the Wagner Group, which is the most like, well, first of all, if you pronounce it Wagner, like I've heard a lot of people mispronouncing it as such, it just sounds kind of like a really innocuous like law firm or something like that, you know? But the Wagner Group just has like a little bit more of a militaristic umami to it. Um, they're a paramilitary group, uh, I guess. A um, essentially mercenaries feels like a loaded term, Ben. You might say that's exactly what they are. They're a an army for hire, right? Mm-hmm. And apparently, for twenty four hours over the weekend, they tried to overthrow the Russian government, <laughs> or did they? It's. Mm. It's a weird yeah. one. And this guy, um, the, the, the head of, of this group, his name is uh, Yevgeny uh, Prigozhin. Mm-hmm. Interesting background to this guy. He, he, he was a, like a catering magnate in Russia. Like he had all, like when I say catering, I don't mean like party down. Like he did like events. He basically, his company provided foods for like the prison system and for like, you know, schools and things like he had, you know, the stranglehold over the food service, industrialized food service in the country. And then he parlayed that into becoming a billionaire. I want to say um, a, an oligarch you could, you could call him and then established this paramilitary group, which is sort of the Russian equivalent of like a black Blackwater kind of deal, right? Mm-hmm. So it's essentially these trained military, uh, you know, they're soldiers under a leadership, but they sort of, you know, go to the highest bidder. And it appears that over the weekend, there was an attempt by this uh, Prigozhin fellow to direct his forces to no longer answer to Vladimir Putin and to instead aid him in attempting to overthrow Putin's leadership. Um, But he also denies that. So it's a real foggy, messy mess, like you said, Ben. So I really just wanted to stop the opportunity to talk about what you think happened, Matt, what you have read, um, and kind of get to the bottom of what maybe actually happened or, you know, can we even know? Can, Can I just point out, exactly one year ago, we put out our episode Wagner, Russia's Shadow Army. Like literally yeah. as of the, that, the Friday, huh? uh, That's spooky. Thursday that we're recording this. Yeah. Um, so if you want to learn just about the background of the group about Prigozhin, I would highly recommend listen to that episode. The research is in there. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Street name Putin's Chef. Yeah. Uh, I think that's an excellent setup for Wagner and and that that episode holds up as well I think uh the certainly the comparison to Blackwater or Academia or Exe is not very far off uh Wagner is a bit bigger than that though they make a lot of profit working as mercs on the African continent uh if you want to ruin your day check out their activities in CAR and in Mali in particular uh they also they have a lot of mining interest. Like they pull a lot of minerals and resources. Uh, they've even had deals in the Middle East where if they take back an oil field from uh, an insurgent group, they get 25% of the profits going forward from that. And the reason it might sound weird, right? Especially before the events of Ukraine to think. We always thought of Russia as a superpower, right? Even as it was collapsing. So it seems strange to think, hey, Russia already has an army. Why do they have this 
private thing. Well, it's kind of like how the Chinese government does not officially employ hacker armies. Wagner, for a very long time, gave the Russian government plausible deniability. And it was an open secret. It's not even fair to call it an open secret. It was blatant. It was like stupid obvious <laughs> what was going on here. But the thing that changed quite recently uh, was there was always a bit of tension between uh, Putin's chef and Wagner and the actual governing structure of Russia. So on June 23rd, uh, Prigozhin, he called it a march for justice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like almost like he, he refers to it as like a demonstration. It, it feels like a flex. Like at one point in this article, uh, there's a quote from him just saying how it was meant to demonstrate their might, essentially. And they stopped short of uh, of Moscow. Like they, they essentially marched hundreds of kilometers, you know, in, in formation towards Moscow and then stopped short. And then he referred to it as a way of like showing what they are capable of. I guess, but yeah, yeah what it's weird. He said they wouldn't spill Russian blood, which is why he called it off. Now, the, there were thousands of people in this march toward Moscow, but as any war buff can assure you, getting to Moscow is not the same thing as holding Moscow. And a lot of warlords and dictators and invading armies have unfortunately experienced that firsthand. If Wagner continued its push, into Moscow, there would certainly be Russian blood shed, uh, and they would definitely get their asses kicked. It would be bloody, and there would be a lot of losses on both sides. But they just they didn't have the forces nor the um, supply chain really to hold Moscow. But you mentioned tension, but like this sounds, this reeks of of a serious beef, and I'm I'm having a hard time finding the one thing. Well, because maybe there isn't the one thing. There is one. I don't know. My okay. understanding okay. is there is a one thing. So imagine it's going as Ben is describing. There, there's serious tensions between the official military and Prigozhin's, you know, contractor military, and there's an attack, a missile attack, on the force, the Wagner forces that. Prigozhin fully believes was a Russian attack. So this is while the Wagner forces are in Ukraine and they're operating, right? There's a huge miss missile attack on their troops. Wagner and Prigozhin believe, at least they state publicly, that this is a Russian attack. They release video of mm -hmm. this missile attack that it appears to strike a convoy and decimate several large vehicles uh, that reportedly, at least according to Prigozhin, contained troops. Um, and it was deadly and it was awful. So this, my understanding, and maybe I'm completely way off, we have to listen to whatever the hermit sends in in the voicemails he's going to send us for talking about this. <laughs> right. uh, but, uh, you know, the, my understanding from reading the news and from, from trying to digest all of it is that that's why there was a march for justice. It's because you attacked us. We're going to attack you. There were yeah. ra ratcheting tensions though, because um, Wagner had also Prigozhin specifically had repeatedly accused uh, the Russian ministry of defense of not supplying Wagner troops with weapons, with armament, uh, even basic things like food. Uh, so this tension seems very, very arcane and, and kind of uh, difficult to read because for a long time, 
Prigozhin was saying he wasn't beefed with Putin, at least publicly. That later changed. But his problem was that he wanted higher ups in the defense circles of Russia. He wanted them out. And we know that at least 13 Russian military members of the Russian military uh, were killed during the short-lived rebellion. Uh, We know that two defectors were killed while fighting for Wagner. Uh, And we know that eventually, Prigozhin, through a deal uh, brokered by strongman Lukashenko over in Belarus, Prigozhin got a uh, get-out-of-jail-free card. Even though apparently Putin wanted to obliterate him, Lukashenko talked him down. And right now, as far as we know, Prigozhin is in exile in Belarus, hopefully avoiding third story windows. Right. That's yeah, that's a that's a, a tactic du jour of, uh, of Putin. Um, but Ben, when you say get a jail free card, are you referring to escaping prosecution is that right? Yeah. Yes. There's a whole issue around that. Specific. That's why I found it a little confusing. And, and Matt, I'm really glad you pointed out the, the specific strike that I guess was just the straw that broke the camel's back in the situation because of all these other issues and problems. And, you know, he even accused the Russian government uh, and the Ministry of Defense, like he said, of killing tens of thousands of Russian soldiers through acts of corruption and just all of that, not supplying them with the right stuff. But I also do wonder, like, when you're hiring a mercenary army, like, aren't they supposed to come with their own stuff? (laughs) Isn't that sort of part of it? Like, at what point do they become an extension of your actual army and not their own kind of independent force? Right. We talk about this a little bit in the episode that you mentioned, Matt, because the the issue is... uh, It goes back to things like what counts as a prisoner of war? How do the Geneva Conventions apply? But really what it seems to be is uh, that Putin ran into the catch, you know, the fine print with any mercenary group, which is they expect to be paid. So you'll see some interesting scuttlebutt in the news uh, recently. I think it's in the West now uh, where all of a sudden there was like a van or some vehicles full of money and gold that were found and belonged to Perosian, uh, it sounds like a payoff for sure. And it's interesting because this is not going to be a sustainable situation. Lukashenko actually uh, flew off to Turkey for a bit uh, while Perosian was moving to Belarus. And the Russian government is giving a lot of strange mixed messages about this. Putin called Perosian a traitor. He calls it a mutiny. It, it seems like there's something else to the story, honestly, that neither side in the beef is willing to go public with. I think that's why I was I was looking for that one thing. And it was like I saw multiple things that felt like it could be the thing. But if, to your point, Ben, it felt it feels like something being left out. And it's been so recently that this really kind of came to a head. And honestly, wouldn't you agree reported pretty, pretty significantly underreported? You know, yeah, in the beginning, for sure. I mean, it's made it to, you know, national and world headlines now. Um, It looks like U.S. intelligence clocked something in the wind a little bit earlier. They said, hey, why are all these Wagner forces stockpiling armament and why are they gathering on the border of Russia? Aren't they supposed to be doing their Ukraine thing? Uh, And now it reminds me a little bit of um, 
the events leading up to the October Revolution in Russia back in the day. This this very much feels like it's not the end of the story. Like there is going to be something else uh, at this point. Truce uh, be damned, de-escalation be damned. It sounds like uh, Putin and Perosian are no longer BFFs, and uh, there might not be enough space on the planet for both of them. Are they being um, given asylum by Belarus? Like, are they kind of being they're being protected? Is in Belarus is is aren't they a uh, an ally of Russia in this part of the world? Lukashenko has been in the game longer than Putin. That's what I thought, but it's like so. I mean, isn't it kind of like why is he sticking his nose in this? Like, doesn't it seem like a bad look for him, or it could potentially sabotage his relationship with Putin, or, or make it you know drawing lines in the sand? Doesn't this have the makings of a much larger conflict? If now the Wagner Group is in his corner, and then all of a sudden they're like, well, maybe we're maybe we're all coming, maybe we're coming for you together. You know, I don't know. I'm I'm just speculating. Well, you got to remember, this isn't all the Wagner Group going to Belarus. The, those troops are basically, for lack of a better term here, they're being absorbed into the Russian military machine. Sure. So well, then the, the, it's the, the, just Purgosian, right? So then... No, no, I got it. But, but there was a, 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 a... Putin made a statement saying, declare, you know, official allegiance to the Russian state or be exiled to Belarus, referring to any members of the paramilitary organization. I know, I know that hasn't happened yet, but there, why is Belarus that thing? It's just interesting. He said, uh, yeah, Putin told Wagner paramilitaries to sign contracts with Russia's defense ministry, go home or leave the country for Belarus. This is from Financial Times uh, piece by uh, Polinia Ivanova and Lucy Fisher um, and Max Sedon. Well, when was that posted? Two days ago, 26th. Okay. It's so weird because you kind of have to analyze like when was it said and because there was a lot of posturing as, as Ben was kind of pointing to there. Like yep. some of the stuff that Vladimir Putin came forward and said like as the Wagner group was headed towards Moscow was very different than how that message changed over the next couple of days. I see. Um, and so to look, I don't know anything about this, guys, but the... Um, the Belarus thing feels to me like a friend stepping in and saying, hey, hey, guys, come on now. Hey, we're the same easy. team. Uh, same team. Yeah. You know, Putin sent uh, sent Lukashenko. Apparently mm -hmm. he went on uh, Putin's request. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, as as we know, Russia has a history of eating its own. So I see no reason that that precedent would not continue in the modern day. Now, maybe, maybe what we are hearing is absolutely true. And that's the whole story. But as for now, with all the, there's a real conspiracy. There's a real cover up of some sort. If this feels like an episode, we just need to get a little bit further past the fog goes. of war. Yeah. Million percent. No, I know that's the perfect uh, expression. Yeah. And that, you're right, Ben. That, I mean, and I guess maybe often we, yeah, no, the fog of war really is about when the things are happening and the obfuscation of communication and the way that like it's all in the game, you know, so you're not going to get the truth until the dust has settled, you know, often many years later, because when you're in the thick of it, who the hell knows what's true, you know? So when you see a story like this, I think even the most well-read of all of us, you know, in the audience and in between the three of us, four of us are going to be a little, hmm, what's really going on here? So I'm glad we were able to, Maybe not solve it, but have a discussion. Just so, so the, all you out there know that 
you know, we're all in this together in terms of how confusing it can be. And with that, why don't we take a quick break and hear a word from one of our sponsors, then we'll come back with another piece of strange news. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we have returned. Let's talk fun geographical facts. Let's talk Delaware. The ladybug is the official state bug of Delaware. The largest city in Delaware is Wilmington. Uh, And uh, Delaware has the 22nd longest coastline among all U.S. states. You are set to win at a very specific trivia game at some point in the future. You also, if you live in Delaware, might be worried about voting. That's because one city in Delaware is currently set to give corporations, not people, the right to vote in elections. It's kind of a shadow of Citizens United. It's going to be a pretty crazy thing. Like when when you first hear that idea of a corporation voting, what do you guys think? Are you like, good? Corporations don't have enough rights? You know what? It sounds so Delaware to me. 
You know what I, I mean? Got so many exciting <laughs> going on in Delaware. No, yeah. Like Wayne's World. Yeah. yeah. We, we uh, learned a long time ago that a ton of companies set up in Delaware, right? At right. least their their corporate headquarters or their a tax haven mm-hmm. of some kind. Or, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you are a member of many commercial banks or a lot of things in the finance industry, you'll notice that their addresses, their corporate headquarters, are inexplicably Delaware. Uh, whomever is the P.O. Box tycoon of Delaware, they're cleaning up, man. And this town that's doing this is a place called Seaford. Seaford is a pretty small place. There's only about 8,000 people living there. And in April of this year, they amended their charter to allow businesses, corporations, partnerships, LLCs, the right to vote in local elections. This is a problem because this is a problem. It's a hard head shake for Matt, that's Mm -hmm. for sure. Well, think about it. If you're the CEO of a company, then you vote as a person. Now, if this works, you can also vote again as a corporation. It's not expensive at all to start an LLC and you can uh, keep it going for uh, just like three, four hundred bucks a year as kind of your subscription fee to stay active. So it's completely plausible if this passes for someone to go in and just, you know, start 300 LLCs and take over Seaford because they can vote uh, themselves and their goonies into, uh, into positions of power. <laughs> if, you, if you think about it, this is a troubling precedent. It might sound boring to a lot of people because we've got our eyes on bigger headlines, but that's how the dangerous stuff happens. That's why we do this strange news segment once a week, because a lot of people aren't getting uh, news about this, and you might not know about it until it's too late, and it comes to your town. Right now, <laughs> right now, the Laws of Delaware financially are already very, very laissez-faire. And (laughs) this is just going to accelerate that phenomenon. I want to shout out one of my favorite Reddit comments on this. Someone said, you know what? I'll start treating corporations like people when Texas starts executing them. (laughs) Pretty hardcore, right? Yeah. What an idea. (laughs) Right. So, like, what do you think? Do you guys want to go in and buy up some, uh, start some LLCs in Delaware and just start messing with Seifert? Can you imagine the legal red tape that's going to be in that bill? Like, about <laughs> the type of corporation, the length of time a corporation mm-hmm. must have existed within the town of Seifert. You know, I, I bet you it's insane, the language that they're putting in there. Because if they don't, it is literally going to be exactly what you're talking about, Ben. Anybody... Anybody could register your, oh, yeah. your as many as you want. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And, and this, this brings us to a couple of, of troubling things. Here's the first plot twist. If this passes in Seaford, it will not be the first uh, city in Delaware to have a law like this. Oh. Other Delaware towns already have it. Great. In, in Lopen Acres, Dagsboro, Fenwick Island, pardon my pronunciation on those, they already allow corporations to vote. Uh, And in a Newark, Delaware town referendum in 2019, the public learned that a single person, a single property manager who controlled a bunch of individual kind of siloed LLCs voted 31 times 
in in a local referendum. And of course, you know, uh, we all in the West tend to ignore local politics, right? You just vote your conscience every four years or something. And it's easy not to pay attention to this. The wealthy don't want you to pay attention to this conspiracy until it's too late and your one vote is outnumbered by the votes of multiple corporate entities. Uh, it also, this is the scary thing, it also proved to me something I hadn't really thought about. It is crazy easy for wealthy people to buy entire towns, right? Like if mm-hmm. Bill Gates wants, he can go take over your stuff. Probably Elon Musk too. I was just talking to an old friend of mine who's visiting from my hometown of Augusta about somebody who owns a bunch of restaurants. This guy used to be a restaurateur, own a small restaurant in Augusta. And uh, there is a gentleman who has a restaurant group who married into a family that has the largest peach farm in the world in Edgefield, South Carolina, which is really close to Augusta. And they own the city. They own Edgefield. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just that, you know, you get to a certain level where even like in, you know, the humble South where you just, you own, you can own the town, company town, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. And companies already, just to get a sense of the problem, companies already outnumber human residents in Seaford by a margin of almost two to one. <laughs> and, oh, well, uh, then let them have it. I mean, come on. Just let the corporations have it. <laughs> yeah. Well, now it's the public, right? Yeah. Like, this is interesting, though, because you can also see statements from people on the ground who live near Seaford. And one person said, Seaford is tiny and it's a pretty poor town. It's too far from the beach to be very interesting. The main factory employer shut down a few decades ago. It's been passed over. Uh, pretty often in you know the local news or the local government, and it's been on decline for a while. Uh, the idea then seems like a a move of desperation. But how much power do we as the public want to give private entities that are not accountable to the public? And I mean, like, I kind of want to start an LLC. Let's do it. do it, and then let's build a couple more on top of that one. Just kind of start stacking them up. They'll all move the the initial $300. You know, it originates from the first company, then moves to the first shell, then the next shell, and just keeps going up till we build mm-hmm. more shells. Yeah, that's we need to get into the shell game, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to keep this one. I wanted to keep this one short because it's more opening the conversation for all of our fellow conspiracy realists tuning in at home. Do you live in Delaware? What's your opinion on the corporations there? Um, regardless of any political ideology, I think it's pretty safe to say that we don't want, in general, United States of America LLC. Right. We don't want the United Corporations of America. It just it feels incredibly dangerous. And also, you know, drawing it out large horizon, if stuff like this becomes more commonplace, then companies won't have to worry about infringing on your personal rights or um, taking away some of the privileges that you're supposed to have as a citizen. They'll just outvote you. You can still vote and it won't matter. Is there really any way to walk it back, though? I just feel like, you know, with things like Citizens United and like all of that stuff, like the Badger's kind of out of the bag and it just feels like we're heading more and more and more in that direction. And that's just sort of like the end game of capitalism sort of writ large. And I mean, short of just like 
anarchist type behavior or like, you know, domestic terrorism, not Ooh. advocating that fight club type stuff. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, what, what, what do you, what do you do? To combat the ever-increasing presence of the corporation and the ever-shrinking power of, of the individual. You don't, bro. You get a Waldo moment, and that's it. Black <laughs> oh, Mirror. Waldo moment? Black You're mirror. talking about Black Mirror? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, exactly. <laughs> the one about the cartoon character that basically becomes a dictator, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's another, there's another twist to this that might be positive for uh, some of the villains in the crowd tonight. Delaware is one of the only three states that allows you to vote in a local election without being a resident. So you can have a place, right? Or you can have your LLC and if stuff like this passes, then you can futz with local government and people's rights without ever leaving your home in California or Boston or Singapore or wherever. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this is, you know what? It's a good time to be a bad person. That's probably the takeaway for the, the current environment. Now, um, maybe I'd be nihilistic. You guys, uh, I don't think this is going to be a flash in the pan moment. I feel like this is a precedent. Uh, this is something that we are going to look back on in the mid to long term, And we won't be able to quite put our finger on when the switch occurred, but we'll know when people began to slip, down the slope into corporatism and oligarchy. Well, I'm bummed out, so I think we're going to call it. Let's, uh, let's, I mean, unless you guys have, do you have an answer? Do you guys solve this? No, no. I'm sorry for posing the most nihilistic of questions. <laughs> um, it's just, I don't know. It just feels, it feels a little dire at times. You know I mean? Yeah. A, I don't know how to go. I don't know where to go from there. It's nice to be able to get, stuff have nice things and you know buildings and stuff i don't know i'm sorry guys no worries let's you know where we go we go to the land of ads and we're going to return uh with something completely different but also incredibly conspiratorial and corrupt snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. 
Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. Guys, I have to tell you about the story I wanted to run with initially, but I found some weird things and decided not to do it. But I want to give you an overview because there are a couple thought experiments that maybe lie within for listeners and for you guys. Uh, Looked into motor fuel tax. Oh, terribly exciting concept. Gas tax. How much we pay at the pump to Uncle Sam, no matter which of the 50 states you're in or Puerto Rico uh, or Washington, D.C., So there's this whole thing, guys, where there's not enough gas being sold to be taxed to fund all of the things that that tax money is supposed to fund. It's Mm -hmm. an amount year over year that's been declining. It's been on the decline for a long time. So the government is basically trying to figure out how to get the money to pay for the infrastructure. Having a giant infrastructure bill helps, right, which is a very political thing. So first of all, I thought it was getting too political. Then... It started to get a little too ridiculous with the num- the facts and the figures and how all the calculations are made and how the money gets pushed forward. And the whole reason I wanted to even talk about the dang thing, because it's so tremendously boring, was because some of the fixes to the problem, uh, I thought you guys would really like them. One of the main ones I saw is a pilot program that's happening in, I think, Oregon State and maybe a couple other places where rather than taxing on the gas at the pump that you put into your vehicle, the government and the state would instead attach a little thing to your vehicle that would, guess what it would do? Play, um, play mid, alternative jazz? Is that what we called it? <laughs> no, no. Fusion, baby. Fusion. Jazz fusion. Does it track you? Does it track you? It's tracking it, yeah, I mean, it would basically yeah. be an, cool, cool, cool. an odometer reader, mm-hmm. a secondary thing that transmits the information to the government so that they can see the distance your vehicle has traveled, and they would tax you based on the distance rather than the amount of fuel used. Okay? Okay. Sounds fine, right? Mm-hmm. Not really. No, 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 man. It seems like a <laughs> lot of possible gnarly ways that could go. Let's just I see. feel like, again, I feel like all a lot of our problems are going to be solved if we just pony up the cash and start some LLCs. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Then we can just put whatever consequences of our bad driving into the shell company and limit our liability. I'll also, Matt, I um, we got a really interesting letter uh, 
concerning the way that com- automobile companies are using your data and making it an income stream. So again, you know, Pandora's jar is unscrewed. We can't get we can't get this stuff back. We can't walk it back. Um, yes. And now, now it's just a question of who uses this information and for what purpose. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, mm, well, the government, the state government, and the federal government working together to better serve you with interstates and highways. Uh, that I sounds don't know. nice. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Yeah. Sell me the T-shirt too while you're at it, guys. I'm telling you, if you, if you want, I always get on this hobby horse, man. The interstate system is amazing, and yeah. the only reason it happened is because it was a matter of national defense. If you want something done in the United States, doesn't matter what you're talking about, somehow relate it to the boogeyman of national defense and national security. Like the way to get um, first world or developed world healthcare in this country is to think, is to present it as a security risk. It's mm. 100% the way to do it. I yield my time. All right, though, that's next up. Fixing the healthcare in the United States. Uh, but th- another weird thing happened with that story that harkens back to, I can't remember who does this segment. One of the late night, I think it may have been Conan. Mm, maybe I'm wrong. One of the late night talk show hosts used to do a thing where they're like, they would show a local news cast and the, you know, the two newscasters on that Fox channel would say, as fuel tax plummets, states weigh charging by the mile instead of the tank. And then it would cut to another, you know, a CBS channel and it would be two mm-hmm. different hosts. And they would say, as fuel taxes plummet, states weigh are charging oh, yeah, by yeah, the mile. Yeah. You know, they say the same headline over and over and over and over, mm-hmm. and over again. Mm-hmm. This whole story to me reads uh, as something weird like that because you can find it in a ton of Fox affiliates and NBC and ABC and CBS affiliates and an AP, I think maybe an original AP article or story that was written by Julie Carr Smith or Smythe, S-M-Y-T-H. But it's just really weird to me that so many of these outlets pick it up and use the same headline, the same stuff. They literally just copy and paste an AP article and Everybody reads the same thing, which makes it feel like a press release for someone, which makes it feel just icky and weird. Like, why are you it telling us feel this? Icky and weird. Yeah, it should feel icky and weird because it is icky and weird. And I remember the segments you're describing too. It, it's when you see clips like that. Everybody should watch these if you haven't seen it before. See compilations of ostensibly different and distinct news organizations same word for word, the same on message things. It's disturbing and illustrative of just how thoroughly corporations control the message. And groups and other groups, not just corporations. Not just corporate. Yes, not just corporations. Other vampires as well. Yeah, and I mean, if anybody, you know, watched Succession or if there's anything to maybe take away from Succession is that it's all kind of fake news. It's all sort of being driven by what gets the most clicks, what gets the most, the highest ratings. And, you know, now it's even funny, like with all this stuff going on with Trump, with this indictment, um, he's now calling Fox News the fake news as well. (laughs) So it just, you know, it all just depends on your perspective, I guess, as to which 
which corporation's pulling the, the strings and who it benefits. And when it stops benefiting you, you know, in your particular position, then all of a sudden, you know, it's easier to throw that organization under the bus as well. Oh, wait, that's right. We have to say this as well. Um, whenever we mention these kind of things, please note that they do not apply in any way to good old-fashioned family-run businesses like Illumination Global Unlimited. Never. No association They'll whatsoever. Never deceive. In, in, no. in this particular case, the reason I said not just corporations is because we discovered something brand new, guys. It's an acronym for an organization. Uh, here it is. Let's see if we can guess what it is. Please don't look it up. Ashto. Okay. A-A-S-H-T-O. <laughs> American Association? Uh, that's correct. Okay. Ashto American Association. How is it spelled again? A A S H T O. A A S H T O. American Association swindling <laughs> homeowners terrifically often. Or <laughs> perhaps Satanist hellions. Yeah. Uh, terribly. Uh, ableist. I don't know. Ornery. Don't on the uh, okay, yeah. so it oh, is. Sorry, it's no. It's the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials. There is a whole group, like an uh, a, a group that meets together of the major officials from all the states in Puerto Rico and DC, uh, and they kind of get together and decide. They make five year plans. I looked mm -hmm. up this thing. They've got a strategic plan from 2021 to 2026 that you can look up. I feel like they're in the mix here somewhere with trying to figure this thing out because, you know, they have to find ways to pay for all the roads and they can't get the gas tax. So then you put out an article mm -hmm. like this and everybody reads the same thing and gets excited about plugging something into your car to get taxed on your mileage. I don't know. Also, That's just me. I, I, I hear you, man. I, I don't... I this might sound out of character, but I don't see a problem with groups like that getting together if they're officials. I feel like you you would expect them to collaborate, right? Because the roads go everywhere. No, you're absolutely right, Ben. They describe themselves as a nonprofit, nonpartisan association representing highway and transportation departments in the 50 states, District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. It represents all transportation modes, including air, highways, public transportation, active transportation, rail and water. Sounds great. To me, it feels like it could be used as a pack if it needed to. Uh, it could oh, be used in yeah, that way. For sure. But I'm not, I don't and, know. And pack we mean political action committee. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought you meant like a pact with the devil. That's sorry. I mean, six in one hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we've talked about that for a little longer than I expected. I'm sorry about that. But uh, here's my official story for today's strange news. Mm. Comes from The Guardian, posted on June 25th, written by Tom Perkins. U.S. Navy accused of cover-up over radioactive shipyard waste. Radioactive wow. shipyard waste. Uh, it's an old Classic story, tale. guys. Classic tale that we've heard before, right? This kind of thing. <laughs> not necessarily the Navy, not necessarily radioactive waste. Uh, but there's this place on Earth there in the Bay Area of San Francisco Bay. It's called the Old Hunter's Point Shipyard. This is uh, a, a naval shipyard that was in use from 1939. Let me get this right until 1974 officially as an active shipyard. Then it got shut down. The uh, Navy stopped using it for those purposes. And in 1989, 
the U.S. government designated this whole area, this whole piece of the San Francisco Bay as a Superfund site. Guys, what's a Superfund uh, site? It's like a playground with like water slides and mm-hmm. uh, bouncy houses. And, and mm-hmm. no, I saw, dude, I think I've made that joke before. Forgive me. But when I worked for public radio, the people who were much more senior than me, who've been doing it for a long time, uh, started throwing that term around. And I didn't have the, the courage to ask them what it meant. But in my mind, initially, I thought, oh, this sounds like, like, a, like a, a good time. It is a, it is a site, a cleanup site of radioactive waste that is receiving essentially government money to in an effort to clean up past pollution. You know, mm-hmm. oftentimes it will be around the production of nuclear weapons. Um, it will be perhaps a decommissioned nuclear power plant, something like that. It can be any number of things. Or but, a mine. Yeah, uh, exactly. A lot of like closed down mines or super fun sites. Uh, you nailed it, Noel. Any Anything that requires long-term cleanup of hazardous materials. And do think of hazardous material as a heck of an umbrella term. <laughs> Super funds didn't really weren't really a, an official thing until the 1980s, and they've got a lot of work ahead of them. They're doing they're doing important things, uh, but sometimes doing the right thing puts you in opposition to very powerful entities. So the EPA definitely has an uphill battle pretty often. Yes, and there are a lot of super fun sites. <laughs> mm. There's a lot mm. of them. Well, this particular one, guys, we're connecting all the uh, all the segments together here. In the year 2000, in the year 2000, 86% of San Francisco voters passed a thing called Proposition P. This is like local election stuff, right? That we were talking about local uh, uh. regulatory voting stuff. Proposition P declared that this area, the Old Hunters Point Shipyard, would be, quote, cleaned to a level which would enable the unrestricted use of the property, the highest standard for cleanup established by the EPA. So, 89, it's a super fund. Just 11 years later, uh, San Francisco votes, we're going to use this land, but you, government, are going to clean it up first. But we're going to make use of it because, guys, it's a beautiful piece of the San Francisco Bay. And it's mm-hmm. it's not massive, but it's good. So it's also land in San Francisco. Exactly. Where humans you know can what be. I mean. So guess what? Guess what's been happening on parts of this land? Because this is a large area. But on parts mm-hmm. of this land, homes have been going up. You know, oh, uh, places right. cool. where kids are going to be uh, places, awesome. uh, businesses. They've been going up. And guess what? Uh, a lot of the people living there have been getting diseases, cancer. Yeah. Um, and so in 2011, there was a lot of action taken over. Basically, let's test all of these areas again. Let's see where the problems are. It doesn't seem to be cleaned up to the point where it needs to be. Those results were, let's say, People had differences of opinion on the results of some of the testing. Okay. All right. um, there was more testing and more uh, further testing. And ooh. there's a lot. I'm not even going into most of this stuff. There's some excellent reporting out of uh, NBC Bay Area, stuff that was posted last December. I think the reporter's name is Jackson, J-A-X-O-N, Vanderbicken, 
Vanderbeeken. I apologize, Jackson. Uh, you did some excellent reporting uh, at the time for NBC. You can find a video titled Navy Rejects Data Showing Hunter's Point Strontium-90 Hotspots as Skewed. The reason why that report is so important is because there are various rounds of testing done for this particular thing, Strontium-90, which is really, really bad, guys. It gets in your bones. You can use Strontium to tell where human beings have lived over the course of their lives by testing the strontium in your teeth. Uh, it's yes. kind of weird stuff. There's a weird science behind it. Strontium 90, really bad, not good. And this place apparently had lots of it. And it was known to have lots of strontium 90 in the soil, in the building materials, all over the place. Some testing came back that showed there were a lot of hot spots. But then uh, basically... The Navy came back with more further testing, and it showed that there was zero, zero strontium in several places, which is, guess what? Mm. Impossible. You right. can't ah, have right. zero strontium because it's in the soil. It's everywhere. Mm. There's little bits of it. Which is okay. Right. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Regular, regular strontium is fine. It's non-toxic. Yeah. It's not ra radioactive. Strontium-90 is... Uh, it's made by nuclear reactions, right? Fission, isn't it? It's a product of fission. Yes. It's not great. The strontium-90 was used in the paint that went on naval ships. The stuff that was mm -hmm. like, uh, mm. they call it radioluminescent stuff. So you could see, you know, some of the instruments before they had LEDs stuff. So you could see, you know, on the surface of the naval ship where you could go. And, you know, it was important Did you ever hear stuff. This street name. For strontium-90? No. It's been called the bone seeker? Yes. I was yeah. about to say, there's a part of the body that's very susceptible to this. It's bone. I thought it was maybe the thyroid. It's bone. Yep, boom. Yeah, it's Thank not you. great. Not great. No. Oh, also, there were several ships uh, that were involved in, oh, what the heck was it called? I wrote it down, guys. I'm not going to be able to remember it. Operation Crossroads. Nuclear testing. Bikini Atoll. Uh, this ah. is stuff we looked at a long time ago, Ben, when we made some videos yeah. on this. There, yeah, were two, yeah. there were two or more ships that were involved in that testing where they're setting off atomic weapons and seeing the results, you know, on a huge ship. And they parked the ships back at this Hunter's Point place to then, you know, see what happened. And that's where a lot of the Strontium-90 also came from because, you know, imagine cleaning those ships off and all that radioactive stuff is just on the hull of the ship. And now it's in the bay it's on in the soil it's in the sand it's wherever the team cleaning it up went i guess it's just something we have to keep our eyes on because it does appear that the navy has given somehow impossible results about the contamination levels and human beings that are actually attempting to live in this area are getting cancer and we we know that the u.s government has covered up ecological disasters aplenty outside of its borders. It also has happened domestically in the U.S., uh, but I would say for now, for this, before we do an episode on it, we have to be fair and note that from far enough away, incompetence can look like malevolence. Sure. Oh, absolutely. So quite possible there's a mistake. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The the Navy is saying, hey, we're not doing anything wrong here. This is what we've got. And there's also another company involved. Their their name is Tetra Tech EC Incorporated or just Tetra Tech, T-E-T-R-A-T-E-C-H. Uh, I think they're the outfit that gave some of those results that seemed questionable. 
So it just, you know, what basically it just needs to be found out what happened. Was this place actually safe enough to have human beings living near it at all? Um, or is somebody somewhere trying to make a buck and not look bad, you know, from, from past actions that they took? Not great, guys. Found out a couple more things. There's a thing a, called the Base Realignment and Closure Program. You guys ever heard of that? I don't think so. I, I, know, I know that there is a pretty involved process for closing down bases and figuring out how to allocate resources like um, Fort, was it Fort McPherson here in Georgia? Closed down. Tyler Perry almost bought it. I want to say there's a fascinating thing. I never, I've just never heard of this program as an official thing within the U.S. military, but that is a thing. Uh, base realignment and closure program. It just sounds so holistic to me. Oh, Tyler Perry did buy parts of Fort McPherson. Oh, dope. Nice one, Tyler. Cool. He really does do good things for the community. Not gonna lie, not being sarcastic. Like, yeah, he's, yeah no, that's awesome. You know. Just don't look at him, right? No, maybe that's the wrong Is that thing. <laughs> I don't. I'm just joking. I'm just joking, Tyler. Sorry, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> Tyler Perry sure is taking time out of his very, very busy day to just steeple his fingers, Monty Burns style, as he's listening to uh, strange <laughs> news, and he's going, "You've made a powerful enemy, boys." Yeah, he, he's actually employed. And her several name is Medea, and she's and gonna her, slap the shit out of you. Yeah, he's he's employed several of my good friends, so I do appreciate Same. his work. Tons, tons of people. Oh, yeah. Does a lot uh, of stuff for the city. That's right. Um, okay, so that's a thing. Realignment, and also last thing, guys: historical radiological assessment, or HRA. That's a really cool thing that we can look into as a whole because that has been done in a lot of places. Over the course of, you know, since 1940, what, five, six? Yeah, the the idea, it goes back to radiological warfare, right? Mm -hmm. um, Oppenheimer and uh, Fermi were involved with this, if I recall. Uh, they wanted to use byproducts of, uh, of radiation experiments and nuclear work to contaminate the food supply in Germany during World War II. And Oppenheimer... Uh, had the weirdest caveat, if I recall correctly, uh, he said, we only we should only do this if we can guarantee uh, we can kill at least half a million people. Oh. <laughs> so and that's why I'll he was against it. Well, it, it, just so you guys know, the historical radiological assessment that I'm aware of is literally just testing out of uh, seeing how much testing needs to be done at a place. It's almost like pre-testing or um, sure. looking at the history of a site and its use to figure out how much testing you need to do. It's like our meetings where we get together to figure out when our meetings are. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just want to point out there have been some hilarious memes going around surrounding the release of uh, Christopher Nolan's new Oppenheimer biopic and mm. the Barbie movie, which released on the same day. And there was a meme that showed this uh, Barbie Malibu beach house pop up that was built or at least a house that was retrofitted to look like this in Malibu um, with a piece of text saying the Oppenheimer PR team has the opportunity to do something truly hilarious here. Because it's an aerial shot. <laughs> oh, wow. They could uh, simulate a test. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah well, I, for good. one, cannot wait for Oppenheimer. And it's because of that graphic novel. Comic book. I don't know. Yeah, Trinity. I don't know, I don't know how we got our hands on it. Did you give it? Uh, I don't know how we got our hands on it. 
but man, it's good. That's one of the ones you hit me to, Matt. I think I learned it by watching you. Um, wow, that's a, just such an amazing graphic novel. Uh, and it looks like they're going to cleave really closely to the facts of the matter, you know? So i mm-hmm. um, interested in checking it out. I also want to know how far they're going to go into the more sketchy Oppenheimer stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a very alternative jazz. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we've given ourselves quite a bit of homework this evening. Uh, we are keeping an eye on Wagner uh, like the rest of the world, hopefully. Uh, and we would love to hear your theories about it. We're keeping, um, we've got a lot of digging to do in this uh, situation with the Navy in San Francisco. Um, and, oh, right, we have to start some LLCs. For sure. I, do you guys mind if I give two more places for people to go to to get research on this uh, last thing before we move on and say goodbye? If you go to sfbayview.com, check out an article titled an update on cancer rates in our neighborhood from HP biomonitoring, which uh, stands for Hunter's point biomonitoring some really good information in there. And last thing right here, it's a video you can watch. It's created by Naval facilities, engineering systems command. It was posted in 2019, September, 2019, and it is titled Hunter's Point Historical Radiological Assessment. And it has HRA there. If you watch that, it gives you a timeline of the Hunter's Point, like all of the uses since the 1800s when it was just a commercial like uh, shipyard kind of thing, mm-hmm. all the way up mm-hmm. until you know today when it's being tested. You know, it is officially from, I guess, the Navy. That's what Naval Facilities Engineering Systems Command is a part of. But... The information in there is pretty solid when it comes to uh, the timeline and stuff like that. Okay, but that's it. Yeah. Thanks. This we could call the end of the beginning. We have a lot more digging to do out in the shadows, and we would love your help. Uh, Are you a member of Wagner? Are you a former member of Wagner? Uh, What's your experience with Merck squads? And what do you think is really happening over there? in Eastern Europe and Russia. Uh, What kind of corporation are you going to start in Delaware? Uh, What do more people need to know about corporate governance and the dangerous horizon in the future? And, of course, what are your strontium-90 levels? We Mm -hmm. can't wait to hear from you. Uh, We try to be easy to find online. Boy, howdy Dewey! You can find us at the Handle Conspiracy Stuff, uh, where we exist on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Conspiracy Stuff Show is uh, is what we go by on Instagram and TikTok. All those places, or at least most of them, you're going to find new bits of content that's not available on on this exact audio podcast. Uh, new things to, to come meet us. Watch us dance. You know, watch us give you little tidbits of, of, of silly information. They're fun. We've been told that, that people find them fun. We, we enjoy doing them. Check them out. That's right. Some portion of the people that actually watch the videos do think they are entertaining. <laughs> That's all we know. Hey, you can call our number 1-833-STDWYTK. That is a voicemail system. Please give yourself a cool nickname and you've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. Do include if we can use your name and message on the air. If you've got more to say that can fit in that three minutes, why not instead send us an email? We read every single one we receive. 
We are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.